0: It's interesting to note from the start of that gospel reading today that fake news was causing challenges even in first century Palestine. The fact that the Pharisees were trying to raise up some kind of division between the followers of John and the followers of Jesus by almost raising up this kind of baptism league. But as far as scripture records, Jesus never performed a baptism, but his disciples did. But looking further into that gospel reading there today, and Mel, thank you for making it so clear to us, there's so much within that, so much within that reading. We could study it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And there are many different points I could choose to bring out from that today. But I'm going to choose one. It's the one word that I introduced at the beginning of our time together. And that's encounter. Encountering Jesus Christ. And encountering God the Father through Jesus Christ. And that encounter might be for the very first time. Or it might be a renewal of an encounter, a new type of encounter, a fresh, dynamic encounter with God, a fresh, loving encounter with God. But the main thing is that we encounter God. And Jesus is making it so clear here how crucial it is, but also how available it is through him. That's why he's here. Jesus' ministry is all about encounter. Encountering God through him. He makes sure that no convention, no other person's agenda is ever going to get in the way of the possibility of us encountering the presence of Of the living God. And so with that in mind. This morning I'm going to do something slightly differently. I'm going to pose us all with a a series of questions here this morning. From that reading. And then we're going to have opportunity at the end. Just to sit in the presence of God. And to ponder over those questions again. First of all, Jesus breaks conventions to break down barriers. And perhaps hidden to our modern understanding, in that reading, in that gospel reading, are a whole series of taboos. Jesus sets them aside for the sake of reaching this one woman. some examples men didn't ordinarily spend time with unaccompanied women wasn't done Jews didn't spend time with Samaritans wasn't done Jews didn't share drinking utensils with one another let alone with a Samaritan it wasn't done Rabbis didn't meet with women and Rabbis didn't meet with known sinners as this woman was. And how do we know that? Why else is she out collecting water at the heat of the day on her own because she's shunned by society? That's why she's on her own and that's why she's going then. And then Jesus draws that out. Those things just weren't done. Even Dafter well, that's not dafter, I guess in one sense. You, you might look at it and think it might be, but there's, there's another set of, of Pharisees, strict rabbis known as the bruised ones. They wouldn't even look at their wife or their daughter or their sister or any other woman in the street because of these rules and regulations. In fact, what they would do is they would close their eyes as they saw anyone coming, any woman coming, they would close their eyes. That's why they're called bruised ones, because they kept smacking their face into buildings. You know, when you take rules and regulations and follow them rather than encountering God, (laughs) we get into problems. So my first question is this. What social conventions are we tied to so that they are actually hindering our opportunity to encounter the Lord fully? What is it that we follow? What is it that we are fearful of that prevents us stepping into that encounter with God? Jesus chose to travel through Samaria. Now Jews usually didn't travel through Samaria. Because Samaritans didn't like Jews traveling through Samaria. And if they saw a Jew they made their life really difficult. And you were extremely fearful of attacks by bandits. Consider the parable of the good Samaritan. But he chose to travel through Samaria. So Jews wouldn't ordinarily do that. Instead, what they would do is they would choose to go around it rather than through it. And so they would cross the River Jordan, heading back to Galilee, and they'd go at the eastern side to get back home. Now, that way of doing the journey would take them six days instead of three. But Jesus chooses to go through Samaria. Another question. What areas of our life are we walking around rather than going through? And how is that affecting our encounter with the Lord? Jesus had sent his disciples away to buy provisions. And by doing so, he actually creates an opportunity to speak with a woman on her own, breaking that convention, that taboo. And there are many other examples in Scripture where Jesus chooses to retreat, to be on his own, or he chooses to withdraw himself from others and only have a few people around him done for a reason. But there are occasions when that happens. It enables him to to focus fully on the task that he has in hand, free of objection or distraction. And there are times in our own lives when we need to do the same. To remove distraction from us to move ourselves away from people who might be objecting or becoming a hindrance to us hearing God moving away so that we can concentrate more fully so number three what areas are there in our lives where we would benefit from creating more space and peace around us so that we can concentrate on encountering the Lord Jesus sat down beside the well because he was tired here's something that's challenged me in the last 48 hours where or what do we turn to first when we are tired where do we go which well do we approach and sit alongside to be replenished I wonder being weary need not make us weak we can still make good choices if we choose to be in the right place and use the right resource. Being weary need not make us weak. The truth is, isn't it, no amount of sleep, however much we want it, no amount of sleep, no amount of alcohol, no amount of treaty foods, no amount of binging on Netflix box sets, no amount of numbing practices, mind and body numbing practices, none of those things will ever fully satisfy or ultimately help. But Jesus speaks of a living water and that gets him into dialogue with a woman, a living water that can be found by trusting in him and then he challenges her very directly but always lovingly. I remember one very wise clergyman saying, whenever you speak to people, always try and do it four-fifths grace and one-fifth truth. It's a good formula to follow, really. He does it with such love St. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in Thee. So, question four Where are we going to to replenish our spirit? Where are we sitting? And how are these choices that we make affecting our encounter with the Lord? Jacob's well was dug many generations earlier, this well where the woman and Jesus are sitting. It was dug many generations earlier with an eye on blessing the future, blessing those who would need to use it, way ahead, and many generations and lives on from those who were involved in creating it. There was sacrifice, physical sacrifice, financial sacrifice, in order to get that in place in order that a legacy of blessing could be handed on to those not even born yet. Question, what are we digging for the future? What future legacy are we as individuals and as a church planning on leaving for the benefit of those who are going to follow us? And then finally... Jesus challenges the woman to consider what is inside of her. I wonder, did Jesus sit with the woman because he was tired or because she was? What was he wanting to achieve, I wonder, in this encounter? It, it's almost like you can imagine Jesus saying look sit with me rest with me you're tired so am I but I'm tired of the way that people treat one another I'm tired of prejudice I'm tired of greed I'm tired of envy I'm tired of violence I'm tired of sickness I'm tired of sin I'm here to make a difference I'm here to pay a price for you I'm here to sacrifice myself for you, to pay a ransom for you, so that you might be set free from this bondage of, of separation and of striving, so that you can fully encounter God and live in the way that you were made to, to live life to the full, both now and in that great expanse of time that will exist beyond now. I'm here to die on the cross and to say it's enough, it's finished. So how might we be able to help someone today by asking them for help? There's an interesting approach that Jesus adopts there. And who might I be able to speak with and pray for in order that they might encounter the Lord's love in their life? So Jesus' love and his compassion transform this woman's life. This encounter that she has with Jesus completely changes her life and the life of her community, because we go on to read, don't we, that many more believed because of what they heard. God desires that we know him more and that we know him fully. True worship that Jesus is speaking of is when we desire to do precisely that. So I'm just going to recap those questions and in this time of, of quiet together that we might think on. About how these questions challenge the way we are living our lives. In that invitation from Jesus to encounter Him. So, what social conventions am I observing? that are hindering me encountering God fully? What am I fearful of? What am I avoiding doing that is hindering me encountering God fully? What areas in my life need more space to enable me to encounter God fully? What choices do I need to make to enable me to encounter God fully? What legacy am I leaving that will enable others to encounter God fully? Who shall I pray for that they might encounter God fully?